great to be with you again in Woodford. Um, twice a year I make it, and uh, today is my visit. It actually happens that uh, while we're uh, here today uh, in Uganda, uh, in Soroti, uh, we've got four weeks of training going on. I run a ministry called School of Ministries. We teach and train leaders in developing nations, uh, and you as a church underwrite the cost of the school in Soroti. And right now, while I'm here over in Soroti, four weeks of training are going on for several hundred pastors over those four weeks, uh, and uh, thank you for your support uh, of that work and that ministry. Uh, I had a really interesting experience this week. I received this book through the post. I don't know if you can read it, but uh, if you can, it means you probably a Czechoslovakian. Oh, no, not Czechoslovakian. Uh, uh, you're from the Czech Republic because uh, it's actually my book on the gifts of the Spirit that's been published in the Czech language, uh, which is really exciting. And uh, just want you to pray for that. It's the first book on the gifts of the Spirit that's been published in the Czech language. And uh, uh, they have no other uh, um, books and helps on, on the things of the Spirit. And I'm, I'm really excited and blessed by that, that God has uh, uh, caused that to happen. And so thank you for your prayers for us and for the ministry uh, and your support of the ministry as well. Now, um, in July this year, I was in India um, in Mumbai with Basil, uh, and I did 10 hours of teaching um, on the book of Ephesians. And uh, I got so excited about it that, uh, uh, that I seem to be speaking about it. Uh, you know, when I'm praying about, God, what is it I need to bring? And I feel like inspired with, these, uh, with this great book of Ephesians. So I've got 10 hours of teaching here uh, that I could release to you if you would like that. Uh, um, it might mean that uh, you're rather late for dinner. And so I won't do that, but what I will do is I will, I will look at the first chapter of Ephesians because God really spoke to me uh, from this first chapter uh, and I felt that uh, if we as believers had truly understood uh, the teaching of Paul in the book of Ephesians, we would be different people. And, uh, and as I meditated on it, I thought, do you know, I'm not sure I know anybody who's living in the fullness uh, of all that God has done for us in Christ. Anybody who fully understands the significance of what the cross really means for us in our lives. And Paul, in Ephesians chapter 1, prays an incredible prayer near the end of the first chapter. And he prays for three things. He, he prays that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. That's the first thing he prays for. Spirit of wisdom and revelation. And then he prays in the next verse that God will open the eyes 
of your understanding. We sing a song regularly these days that uh, uh, say, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, that, the, that we will be enlightened, that our eyes will be opened, enlightened to understand what God has really done for us in Christ. And then the next verse, there's a third thing, and in that he says that you will know the power of God, that you will have an extraordinary revelation of his incomparably, uh, incomparably great power for us who believe. So three things he's praying for those believers. He's praying uh, that they'll have a spirit of revelation. So this isn't understood uh, by just study. This isn't understood by just reading Bible verses. This is understood by God coming and revealing himself to us. The spirit of revelation. He wants us to have that uh, in our understanding of what Christ has done. The second thing he praises that the eyes of our heart might be enlightened, that there might be something that happens within us that brings change. The third thing is that we might know his power. And so this isn't just about Bible study. This isn't just about listening to a good message. This is about having an encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. And that's the prayer of Paul for the church in Ephesus. If, if only, there's something in his spirit. He's saying, if only uh, uh, you could understand the full significance of what God has done for us in Christ. If, if you had that revelation, that spirit of revelation, if the eyes of your heart were, were enlightened, were, were, were opened up, if you experienced and encountered the power uh, of God, if only that would happen for you. That's the prayer that he's praying. And he's praying it, of course, in the light of what he's written before. So often we take that prayer in isolation. But in the first part of Ephesians 1, Paul lists this whole uh, awareness and a whole revelation of what God has done for us in Christ. And so from chapter 3 right through to the beginning of his prayer in verse 15, Paul is outlining these incredible things that God has done for us in Christ that he wants to have us to have revelation and wisdom about. And as I've read them, I've understood that the, the whole focus of apostolic ministry in the New Testament of the, of, of, and the emphasis of the church was about what it means to be in Christ. And that the whole teaching of the epistles is not just lists of Bible studies. It's not just, you know, not just going through verses and understanding who wrote it and why they wrote it uh, and where they wrote it. That's really good and helpful. But it's actually that you might have an encounter with Jesus. You might understand what it means to be in Christ. And you might live in that reality and experience his power in your life. You might experience that revelation of what it know, means to know God and walk with God and be in Christ. And so it's interesting that when the church comes into being, it says four things about that church. It says they continued in, the, in Acts 2, 40, 42 to 46, it says they continued in the apostles' doctrine 
or the apostles' teaching, the modern versions say, fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. And I've heard so many people preach on that and say, see, they continued in Bible study. No, it doesn't say that. It says they continued in the apostles' teaching. It was more than Bible study because the apostles' teaching is all about being in Christ. And so Paul, in all of his epistles, keeps talking about in Christ and Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Teaching and encouraging and inspiring us to understand what it means to be in Christ. That's what you're doing tomorrow night, uh, coming to a fresh understanding of what it means to be in Christ. That's the way that we overcome mental health problems and difficulties. Yeah, we can get help from this one, that one, and, uh, and please take all the help you can get. But actually, the greatest help is to be in Christ and understand what it means to be in Christ. <laughs> and so, uh, so there we have Peter saying that, then we've got, then we've got uh, Paul saying it, but then we've got Peter saying it. Peter's talking again and again about what it means to be in Christ. And then you've got John saying exactly the same, because that's the apostles' doctrine. It's not just a Bible study, it's not just information, it's actually encounter with the person of Christ and understanding what God has done for us in Christ and the significance of the cross and the importance of grace that we sang about this morning. Those are the issues, the foundations uh, uh, of what Paul is looking for the believers to understand because he knows that's what makes a difference. And so in the first part of Ephesians, cool, the clock's bright now, isn't it? You can't miss the time. Yeah. <laughs> so in the first part of Ephesians, he's telling us, what God has done for us in Christ. He's saying that God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. So we're blessed with these, with these spiritual blessings in Christ. Because of what Christ has done, a whole heap of blessings have been poured out upon our lives. And then he, he lists those blessings uh, uh, that are ours. And uh, again, I haven't got time to go through them. But if uh, and his prayer is, if only you understood the significance of what this means for you. And so he goes on in the next verse. He says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those situations, I have, where, where there's a group of people and you're playing a game and two captains are chosen uh, and they have to pick people for the team, you know, and, and nobody wants you. You're the last one. Ever been there? Yeah. <laughs> and you feel like pretty low and, uh, and insignificant. Uh, 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 and inadequate and whatever, and, you know, all those feelings of not being wanted or significant. But here we are told that God, keep it up uh, uh, for us, please. Uh, yeah, God has chosen us in Christ. You're not insignificant. You're not unimportant. You are so incredibly important. You matter so much that God chose you in Christ. Christ, when? Last week? Last year? Before the foundation of the world. Wow! 
before Woodford appeared, before Africa appeared, before India was there, before the creation of the world, God knew that you were going to come to him. He knew that you were going to be saved and he put his hand upon you and he said, you're mine. Wow! It is good. Paul says, if only you had a revelation of this. If you really understood this, you wouldn't feel insignificant. You wouldn't feel unimportant. You wouldn't feel unloved. You were chosen in Christ before the foundation of the earth. You! God knew the day, the moment you would respond to him. He ordered your life and your circumstances and your history in order that you might come to a day when you encountered him and his presence. He chose you. Ha! That's phenomenal. Well, I think it is. Chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. You're not insignificant and unimportant. Paul says, if only you really grasped this. If only you understood this. Whew. The significance of who you are. It deals with so many issues. He didn't just choose you either. He made you holy. He chose you to be holy and blameless before him. Huh, we've gone on too far. <laughs> I don't know where you are in your walk with God at the moment. I don't know whether you're struggling with this or that or with this besetting sin or uh, this habit or this addiction or struggling with some issue, but I want to tell you God chose you to be holy and he's made all the provision <laughs> to make you holy, to sort you out, to deal with the stuff, to, to root out the junk to set you free from everything that binds you, that chains you down, that holds you back in Christ. He's done everything he possibly can to make you holy, to make you pure, to help you to live clean, to set you free from everything that troubles you and holds you back. This is what Paul is praying for. If only you understood what God has done for us in Christ. If only you had a revelation of that. If only the eyes of your heart were enlightened, you would be such a different person. Because he goes on to say, and you can now move on, Stu. You're hurrying me along, are you? You're aware of the clock. Yeah. <laughs> this is phenomenal. He adopted us to be his sons. There's no orphans here. You know, this whole thing of he chose us in him and he chose us to be his sons. He has adopted us. And this isn't uh, our adoption, although that's really wonderful and many people have known the blessing of, uh, uh, of not being wanted or being orphaned uh, and then being adopted and brought up by parents who have loved them as if they were their own. But this adoption that Paul is talking about is Roman adoption. And there were certain legal dynamics about Roman adoption that are important for us to understand. The first thing is this, that when you were adopted in, in, in Bible days, in the days in which Paul was writing, the first thing is that all the records of your history were wiped out. 
Everything that had happened to you, everywhere you'd been, everything that you'd gone through was completely finished with. And you became, secondly, absolutely and completely a child of your parents. There was no differential between a, a child by birth and a child who was adopted. And there were legal rights of inheritance. If under Roman law you, you wanted to leave more to perhaps your natural children than your adopted children, you were not able to. Because in law, an adopted son became absolutely and completely a son of their parents. And God's, Paul says to us, God's adopted you. You are absolutely and completely and totally a child of God. Sure. In fact, it's a bit scary, it almost sounds blasphemous, but Romans, Romans 8 tells us we are as much a son of God as Jesus is. What? He's the natural son, huh? But it says in Romans 8.15 that we are joint heirs with Christ. Wow! Paul says, if only you grasp this, if only you understood the significance of what this means. The significance for that sense of well-being, that sense of health. We're talking about mental health, well-being, the sense that, 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 that I am a, a child of God, that God loves me, cares for me, God looks after me, God protects me. All that goes with being in a family belongs to you because you've been adopted huh, by God because of Christ through Jesus and so this wonderful truth uh, uh, is just a part of this, of this revelation that Paul wants us to have, all these things in, in, in chapter 1. And, uh, and then, of course, he says he's lavished grace on us in, in Ephesians 1 verse 6. In, in fact, the, the, this grace issue is big on Paul's agenda here of understanding what it is to be in Christ. You see, we're not striving to be, we're not striving to get, we're not striving in our own strength to overcome. We're recognizing that we don't deserve anything from God. We can't earn anything from God. It is entirely down to His wonderful, glorious kindness, love, and mercy that He has revealed Himself to us. Wow. And there's something in us that feel we've got to earn it, you know? And sometimes as parents, we've created that. You know, I know, I know my wife, and she won't mind me saying this, you know, she... She would be given a bike if she passed her, her 11 plus. You know, if you pass your 11 plus, I'll buy you a bike. You know, and that—that's our society. That's—that's that's how it kind of ordered. It's still the same because there's still parents pushing their kids to get exams and whatever because you need to do this in order to. So everything's about achieving, 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 achieving. And God says, listen, you can't achieve this. <laughs> I'm giving it to you. It's my grace. Ah, what a different place of beginning. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn forgiveness. You can't earn God's favor. He comes with his incredible love and mercy and grace and he pours it out upon us. In fact, Paul says in 1.6 there, he lavishes it on us. He lavishes grace. You don't, you, you don't earn it. You don't deserve it. None of you. Even someone really holy like Nigel. He doesn't deserve a bean from God. There's not anyone in this room 
deserves anything from God. But because of his unbelievable love and kindness and care for us, he reveals himself to us. And he comes to us in our need because we can't help ourselves. And he pours grace upon us. And, and between the two graces in, in verse uh, uh, 6 and in, in verse uh, 8, uh, we have this wonderful truth of redemption. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood. Now, uh, as I was just praying uh, before I came this morning and reading the scriptures, just reading through, uh, I came across a verse in Leviticus. Anybody enjoy Leviticus? Uh, I'm in Leviticus at the moment, reading through. And I read Leviticus 26 and verse 13. And God says in there to his people, God says to his people, I have brought you out of slavery. I have released you from the chains that bind you. I have set you free that you might walk upright before me. Ha! There's the promise of God for his people. Redemption. You know the picture of redemption, I'm sure. It, it refers back to the slave market. You've all seen the films uh, uh, of the slave in the slave market in chains being sold and, uh, uh, and, and there they are on show uh, standing there um, uh, uh, in chains, bound, and they're sold to the highest bidder. Here, look at this fine young man, uh, whatever, you know, he's got muscles, you'll get a lot of work out of him, you know, we'll sell him for, uh, for this much or that much or, or whatever, or this one's a bit broken down and a bit worn out, uh, but we'll let this slave, and you buy a slave. You buy a slave. But redemption speaks of someone who came to the slave market to pay the price for a slave to then take the chains off the slave and let them go free. They redeemed them. They brought them out of slavery, set them free from the chains that bound them and released them to be free. And it says, in him, in Christ, we have redemption. I don't know what chains are binding you, what chains bound you. I don't know what what affects you. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're addicted to, but I know this. In Christ, there is freedom. There is redemption. There is wholeness. There is a setting free from the chains that bind you. And I believe this morning God wants to give you a revelation of what God has done for us in Christ, that you might know the power of God and that the power of the chains that bind you might be broken. Whoa! Isn't that exciting? And that's what Paul's... You see, that we, we, do, we do a Bible study on Paul's prayer in isolation from what he's talking about. This is what he's talking about. This is the stuff that we need revelation about. The significance of what God has done for us. In Christ, we have redemption. Oh, hey, he's lavished his grace on us. He's redeemed us. He's forgiven us. 
He's revealed himself to us. He makes known to us the mystery of his will. He gives a sense of purpose and direction for our lives. You know, there's a sense of wholeness that comes as we come into Christ and this whole sense of who we are and what we're born for and where we're meant to be going and what God wants us to do with our lives. It changes our reason for being. It gives you a reason to get up in the morning. Uh, and a place to go, uh, uh, and something uh, that fills your life because you have this sense of belonging and being and knowing in Christ. I'm 71 next weekend. Whoa. And I am still excited about what it means to be in Christ. I'm still looking for the next thing that God wants me to do. I'm still uh, filled with that sense of, uh, of destiny. Yeah, because there is this sense that, you know, in Christ uh, uh, there's purpose. There's a reason for me to be here. There's still people for me to touch. There's still ministry for me to fulfill. There's my second book. I just finished my third book. I'm meeting the publisher tomorrow and it's going to be printed. What's that? Why is, what's all that about? Well, because I still believe that God has something to say out there and I believe he wants me to say it because he's made known to me the mystery of his will. He's revealed purpose to me. I know why I'm here and what I'm here for. And that's not just for me, that scripture. That's for every single believer in this gathering, that he wants us to have that revelation. He wants that spirit of revelation to have gripped us. He wants the eyes of our heart to be enlightened. We might experience the power of God and move into the fullness of his purpose for our lives. Excuse me getting excited about all this stuff, but it's really important. Yeah. How do you feel about the world we live in? Oh, it's a bit of a mess, right? I mean, what on earth's going to happen? Brexit, non-Brexit? Sure. It's not just that, is it? It's Turkey. It's the Middle East. That's all right. Don't worry. Yeah. It's Africa. It's India. Stuff going on in India. Frightening. The world we're living in. It could strike you with fear, particularly if you're a parent bringing up kids, you know. Think, my God, what are we going to do? How's this going to work out? Huh. And here Paul says, if only you understood... If only you understood that God's got everything under control. Climate change, oh dear. So, uh, let, me, let me tell you something. I mean, I believe in being the best environmentalist we can be. I believe as Christians we should be good environmentalists. I believe we should be very careful about all of the business of looking after the earth that God has created. But let me tell you something. God has put enough on this earth and in this earth for as long as it needs to keep running. 
because his purpose is far bigger uh, than any other purpose and Jesus will come again at the right time and bring this whole thing to an end. So you really do not worry, need to worry. Uh, you need to do the best you can and be sensible and sensitive, but you do not need to fear or be worried because God has put enough in this earth for as long as he wants it to run. Ha! Huh. Get hold of that because it will release you from fear. And when Jesus says enough, he's going to break in and sort the whole thing out. Now, that I'm, I'm really not treading on any uh, environmentalist because I believe in it. I believe in being the best we can and taking care of this planet that God has given us. But I refuse, I refuse to respond in fear because God has provided for us an inheritance. God has done everything that needs to be done in order for the fullness of his purpose to be worked out. And whatever man does or tries to do or doesn't do, God will keep this world moving and the, the earth will move on its axis. Uh, whatever the films tell us about the end of the world and whatever, it will only end when Jesus says, enough. And he breaks in. Uh, and so hold it, you know, that, that Paul's saying all, all of this is wrapped up, you see, in, 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 in this passage. And, and then, of course, he goes on to say, uh, we've got an inheritance as well. So the, there, there is a future for us. There's all fear about pensions and whatever and all of that. God, it says that God has prepared uh, an, an inheritance for you and for me. We do not have to fear or worry about the future. Sure. So release from the fear of death because we know that our future is secure. We know that God has provided for us everything that we need. And then he, he goes on to talk about, and if, if that's not enough, and if you're still struggling to cope, he says, you've got the Holy Spirit. He said, he's given you the Holy Spirit in in Ephesians 1 verse 13, he said, The Holy Spirit's been given to you. After you heard the message of truth about salvation, when you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And so into all this and above and beyond all that, the Holy Spirit comes in order that you might have a spirit of wisdom and revelation, in order that... Uh, the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you might experience the power of God. And that's the prayer that Paul's praying for you and for me. He's praying that we will have a revelation of all of this stuff, that it will become real in us. I made a great list of things that I believe if we truly had entered into the fullness of this, I believe that uh, fear would be dealt with insecurity would be dealt with, loneliness would be dealt with, rejection would be dealt with, insignificance would be dealt with, inadequacy would be dealt with, depression would be dealt with, all guilt would be dealt with. Wow. If we had that full revelation, now we may be on a journey and there may be a process going in where we are coming to wholeness. But Paul's saying, you know, if you had this revelation, if you had this full revelation, 
of what it means to be in Christ. And you understood what Jesus has done for you upon the cross, then you would be a different person. And his prayer for us is that we might know him. So I'm praying, God, help me to enter into the fullness of what it means to be in Christ. Yeah, because I don't want to be beset by anxiety. I don't want to be overcome by fear. I don't, I don't want to, uh, to feel inadequate. I don't want to uh, feel insecure. I don't want those things to dog my life. And if I really have a full understanding of what it means to be in Christ, there is freedom for me. Those chains that bound me are free. You know, and so many of us, our salvation, which was right and real and proper and good, only dealt with our past. We came to Jesus to get rid of the sin in our past. But we didn't understand that the purpose of God in Christ was not just to deliver us from the sins we'd committed previously, but also to deliver us from the power of sin in our lives in the present. That grace was available for us to draw upon in order that we might live in freedom and not be dogged by this stuff, you know. And I pray for so many believers who are struggling with fear. So many believers who are overcome with anxiety. So many believers who, who struggle with that sense of inadequacy. Huh. And Paul's saying, if only you understood. If only the eyes of your heart were enlightened. If only you'd entered into the fullness of the revelation that in Christ... In Christ. And so he goes into chapter 2. And what does he start saying in chapter 2? He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but you've now been made alive. Jesus has come. He's broken, broken the hold that Satan had in your life. He's broken the, uh, the chains that bound you, and he's released you to become all that God intends you to be. Ah, there's freedom and fullness and wholeness. In Christ. In Christ. Not in me. In Christ. Not in our own efforts. In Christ. God wants us to have a revelation of that this morning.